Hi there. Do you know what your anxiety profile is? Me, I was a besieged panicker. We often say that the first step to reversing anxiety is to understand it. And that's why we've created a tool to help you discover your anxiety profile. And it's totally free. In about 90 seconds, you'll receive your customized anxiety profile. And it will answer so many questions you've probably been struggling with, including, am I going crazy? And why me? So if you haven't yet, pause this episode and head to lifefreeofanxiety.com slash profile or click the link in the show notes. I promise you'll get a lot more out of this and every episode once you know your anxiety profile. And now, on to the show. And we're back. I'm glad to be back with you. Today in this episode, you get to meet Dr. Barr. You get to hear about what was that bad experience with an earthquake that he had. I'm going to kind of interview him. It's an important one. It's about a therapist who was specializing in anxiety and thought he really knew what anxiety was. He thought he understood it. He thought he knew how to help people in his office until one day he was in his office and being in Southern California, there was a huge earthquake. I'm going to let you hear him tell this story, but from there, he had to find ways to cure himself from things like depersonalization, panic attacks, fear of an unexpected earthquake at any time. And you're going to hear a pretty relatable story from a therapist himself. So let's get to that right now. Welcome to the Life Free of Anxiety podcast, where each week we'll bring you another discussion to help you on your way to overcoming your fears. I'm Erica, and together with Dr. Charles Barr, a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in anxiety, we'll be your guides on this journey. To find a list of helpful free resources we offer, head to lifefreeofanxiety.com. Because you are not broken, you are not alone, and you are on your way to living a life free of anxiety. All right. Well, welcome. My name is Erica, and I am joined by Dr. Charles Barr. Dr. Barr is the best. I went to him myself. It's kind of what makes this podcast unique is that I am actually a client of Dr. Barr's, who is a licensed clinical therapist. Dr. Barr, please, let's say hi before we get into all your uh, fancy education. <laughs> well, hello, Erica. It's nice being with you again and certainly having had some wonderful experiences together and yeah. difficult times also. Yes. Um, it's nice to be on this kind of a format and be able to share some of what we've learned together. <laughs> yes, definitely. And you're a real pro. Let's at least what you told way, me. At least licensed. Okay, good. Um, and and I think that I have a lot of experience in this field. Just to give you my background a little bit, I am a licensed clinical psychologist, mm -hmm. and I've been licensed since 1979, which kind of makes me an old guy. <laughs> so I've had a lot of experience doing this because I specialized in this, uh, in anxiety disorders in 1988. And there's a particular reason why I specialized in 1988, and that's because in 1987, we had the Whittier earthquake. Mm -hmm. And I was in my office at the time of the earthquake, and I thought I was going out my window, and I completely had a panic attack. Now, when you say you um, felt like you were going out your window, for those non-California people, because we are both Los Angeles-based, uh, can you explain that's what that's like? I mean, I've never even felt like I was going out the window. I was lucky enough to sleep through our big earthquake uh, <laughs> back some time ago. Well, what does that feel like? I was sitting in my office chair talking on the phone with a client in San Francisco, and I was facing the window when the earthquake hit. 
And so my chair is on rollers. Oh. And if you've ever been riding a wagon or been sleigh riding and you wanted to get the sled going, you kind of give it this forward jerk mm-hmm. to get yourself going. And I found myself with that motion moving toward the window. And at the same time, my bookshelves were banging against the wall like crazy because the shock waves were coming that direction. And I completely lost it, which took me by total surprise because I always had considered myself a very stable, very uh, good under pressure person. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I dissolved in a panic attack. And uh, we can talk about the symptoms of a panic attack in a few minutes, but I had most of them. And one of the ones that I particularly had was I had the depersonalization hmm. and uh, so did I. Derealization. Mm-hmm. And that, that was very disturbing to me. Yes. And the net effect of that, now I feel like I'm fortunate because a lot of people develop those kinds of feelings without having an external stimuli to cause that. Mm. But I had an external stimuli. I knew what had caused it, but somehow it still didn't seem like it was strong enough that I should have had that response. Now, real quickly, so, what, what is depersonalization? Just so we don't confuse anybody who might be wondering. Depersonalization is a feeling of unreality. Okay. It, it's like somehow you're losing a grip on yourself or you're not quite there. And the other thing that it sometimes is called derealization or depersonalization mm-hmm. is just being detached or being beside yourself. And I was so detached that the day of the earthquake, apparently one of my office mates had walked by and three days later, she said something about that. And I said, you were here during the earthquake? And she said, well, yes. Don't you remember seeing me? And but you're I a full-blown hadn't... professional therapist at this point. This isn't you in some other job or career at this point. You're actually a therapist at this point, correct? That's right. Yeah. I've, already, I've already been in my practice for almost 10 years. Wow. And I had no memory of having seen her. I was somewhere else. And, and that's what depersonalization and derealization is about. And can I just add something, just in case we're making anyone a little bit nervous or uncomfortable with what we're explaining. I had these symptoms too. I have friends who have very different symptoms. I used to think my symptoms were worse or more important or more severe, whatever, than somebody else's. And I just want to add, anxiety can look like really anything. So if you do or do not have symptoms like that we're describing, it doesn't really mean anything. Anxiety can look any way for any person. Oh, well, that's a wonderful point that you make. I call anxiety the great mimicker, and it can mimic a heart attack. It can mimic a stroke. It can mimic all kinds of strange physiological things that medically don't even make sense, and yet Mm -hmm. they're very real to the person experiencing them. Mm -hmm. And it manifests very differently for each person. It's a very complex disorder Mm -hmm. because... It does manifest in so many ways, and each person experiences it uh, uniquely for themselves. And yet, when you put the whole field together, they're strangely similar. Mm, Right. Like we all have similar uh, responses and similar feelings, and yet we all experience it so differently and in different intensities. So for some people, it 
shrinks their world so small that they end up becoming housebound. It's called the housebound disorder sometimes. Mm -hmm. This can debilitate you. Mm -hmm. It, It can shrink your world so much that you feel like you don't even recognize your former life. That's because you did have a life before panic. Right. Yes. And that's definitely where I was when I came to you. I had been to several different therapists. I had spent hours talking about my problems, thinking that if I could just reveal the right information to a counselor, if I could explore what happened in childhood deeply enough, if I could really get honest, if I could stand on my head, if I, if I could find out what somebody else did that really worked and and a post, you know, anything. I was at such a point where, and I've heard before that anxious people are very determined people because it's awful. It's awful being anxious. Well, Um, and that's why I ended up specializing in anxiety disorders in 1988. After mm -hmm. I had had this experience, it just threw my self-concept into complete disarray. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it threw me in the air and I didn't trust anything about myself anymore. Mm-hmm. And I also had this sense that I had worked with several people who had had panic disorder before and thought I had done a fairly good job. But mm-hmm. it, it was like, well, if this is what people are talking to me about when they come in and they say they have panic attacks mm-hmm. and they're they're feeling panic if they feel anything like what i felt that's absolutely horrible it, and you didn't it, know so uh, all this time you were looking at it from kind of a textbook perspective of you heard their symptoms you thought that right. sounded unpleasant but you had no idea what it was actually like until you experienced this firsthand that's right that's right and i think if you've never if a person has never experienced panic they really have no true concept of just how strong it is, Mm -hmm. of just what a complete experience it is, because it sort of changes everything. It's almost like it changes your physiology. I don't know for sure that it does, but we're looking into that. Mm. The field is progressing in in biological ways to look at at those kinds of influences. But it's almost like it just changes everything. It changes your nervous system. It changes how you see the world. It changes how you see yourself. Changes how you relate. Changes what you thought you knew about yourself. Mm. So it it was just a devastating kind of thing. I I feel so badly for all those folks up in the Ridgecrest area here in California. Yeah. We went through the terrible earthquake. Yes, we felt it down here. But we certainly didn't get the kind of shaking that they did. Definitely. Now, the interesting thing is I've shared uh, my story with a lot of my, well, with probably every one of my anxiety clients. So a lot of them are always concerned about me whenever there's an earthquake. Mm. So they'll be checking on me. Dr. Barr, are you okay? You know, it's like, yes, I am. And I've learned that I am okay. And I have not had a repeat of that. Although I tell people that. And it may well be true, I say, if you're with me and we have the big earthquake that they keep saying we're going to have, you may get to witness me panic, Mm -hmm. but it will not do what it did to me before Mm. because I understand panic. I understand what the feeling is now. I understand where it came from. And I, I may still panic because in a large earthquake, that's the common response because it's a common enemy or common danger. Was that what your fear kind of became, a fear of earthquakes after that, along with uh, feelings of depersonalization? 
Is that kind of what oh, you Oh, yes. It was very, very much the fear of earthquakes. It, it was very interesting because just about the same time that the Whittier quake happened, Universal City opened up an earthquake exhibit uh, uh, where they had mimicked an earthquake in San Francisco. And I thought that was the dumbest, single dumbest move I could ever think of. <laughs> but that would be entertaining in any kind of way. Yeah. Of course, it was a smash hit, but it took me probably, well, I got past the anxiety part, but I still couldn't go to that exhibit probably for another couple of years. Mm. I finally did go to it and saw that it was actually instructive it, to see that, yep, this is what might happen in an earthquake. It might have even felt a little insensitive at the time when it came out because, I mean, maybe not, but for me, everything was so personal when I was really in my anxiety. Yeah. Yes. So earthquakes became my big fear, uh, which mm. meant, well, okay, what if I'm in a restaurant and I get an earthquake? And mm. what if I'm in the movie theater and there's an earthquake? Oh, the what, what if? I'm in a stadium <laughs> and there's an earthquake. Yeah. All the what ifs. Mm. That's right. So what if I'm alone in my office and there's another quake? Because I was alone in my office on the first what if I'm in the parking structure and there's an earthquake? The, the what ifs just run rampant. Right. Which and, any person uh, with anxiety knows pretty yeah. well, unfortunately. Well, and if they don't know, let's be very clear about that. That is one of the things that we really stress in, in treating this disorder is stopping the what ifs, trying to catch those and change them. And one of the effective ways of doing that is to start saying, so what to them? So what? That is just a scary thought. Mm -hmm. Now, at first, that's hard to grasp because you're thinking, yeah, but what if, and did you hear what I said? Yeah, but what if? <laughs> and so every time you say, so what? There's a yeah, but just waiting for you right? <laughs> to, to undo that. And so those thought patterns are very powerful and they're automatic. Mm, yes. They sneak in before you know what's happened. And it's very uh, scary. It's fear enhancing. You're scaring yourself. And I'm very good at scaring myself, just like everyone else who's ever had panic scares themselves afterwards. And that's what I recall um, from the first time we met is... These talks about you're scaring yourself and me being kind of like, okay, I'm scaring myself, huh? You know, I, I knew that in a sense, but I think it was, I think I just didn't know what was going on anymore, honestly. To feel that it was me was something that concept had to kind of grow on me in order to make sense. Well, the first time I heard That's it, right. I, I don't know that I really believed you or I was so skeptical at this point that anybody really understood what was happening. But I do remember one of the first things you said to me was, I, I really want you to know that I, I understand that you're truly suffering. And I'm really sorry about that. And I remember that hitting me so effectively because nobody else had ever said anything like that from a clinical perspective. I mean, everybody else was very compassionate. But I don't remember anybody really, truly understanding what I was going through and, and calling it suffering, because that's really where I was at at that point. And it sounds exactly where you were at after the earthquake. Oh, it absolutely was where I was at. And I do consider it true suffering. Mm -hmm. 
the the feelings were so powerful and it it's just remarkable the strength of it you know the the power of it is just incredible and for a spoiler alert is there hope for this i mean you seem to have gotten better that is the good news yeah um the good news is there is help available and you don't just have to suffer and you don't just have to to live with it and white knuckle through everything you know, that when we were talking about people becoming agoraphobic, mm-hmm. uh, that is one of the responses is they just, their world shrinks down like that. The other thing that happens is some people go ahead and function, but they're white knuckling through everything. And so it robs you of all the enjoyment. You may still be able to go to work, but you're going to work with white knuckles and then you can't get an elevator. So you have to walk up your five flights of stairs. And you can't even go to the bathroom by yourself anymore. You know, that kind of. Was it 13 flights? I I could try to remember what was the most I ever took to avoid the elevator because that was such a big one for me. I, oh, that's right. That I was, was one of yours. Probably in great shape at that point, taking all those stairs. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the, there's an advantage. Yeah, but can, I don't know that it's worth it. Nothing was more humiliating than that for me, I think. That was kind of the the breaking point where I was like, I, I can't, I can't not. I was wondering if there was going to be an elevator the second I was on the phone making a doctor's appointment or the second I was planning to go to a friend's house. So I was always so many steps ahead of getting ready to be afraid and talk about scaring yourself. <laughs> I can kind of piece everything together now. Of, oh, I was already plotting fear. Yes, that's an interesting way to to think of it and to say it is getting ready to be afraid. And I think that's exactly what happens. And by the time I came to you, the first thing I did was look for your stairs. It was less embarrassing to admit to a therapist. I think I'd probably asked you on the phone, you have stairs, which is less embarrassing because you're used to that kind of yeah, stuff. But that's right. It was not nearly as convenient as taking your elevator, which eventually I was doing, which is funny because I think that was only within 10 weeks that I was taking the elevator to see you, maybe nine. And it was funny about that is you are the therapist I have spent probably the least amount of time with because I got better so much faster. It's nice for people to be listening to somebody who truly knows what they're talking about. I don't know if you remember how I was when I first came in, but I felt that I was barely getting by. I probably looked like I was doing just fine to those who didn't know me well. But I I also had an uh, elevator at the time in my apartment I never took. So I had a parking garage situation where I would go all the way around, um, take up groceries and all that. And boy, was it a relief when I started (laughs) being able to take the elevator from the garage straight to my uh, apartment. Very, very good. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. But that was something that I never, never thought I could do walking in. I I had a very cynical attitude by the time I had gotten to you. It's an unfortunate thing for a lot of folks who have agoraphobia, who uh, have had panic disorder for some of them for many years. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have sought help. It's not because they haven't been looking. They've sought help. They've spent a lot of money. They've seen maybe eight or 10 doctors of one kind or another searching for the answer. The other thing is it's so hard to believe all of those symptoms that you feel, all of these terrible feelings that you have can be caused just by stress. Mm -hmm. And I say just 
And people get mad at me when I first introduce that word because it sounds like a put down. It's diminutive. It, it, it lessens their, the importance somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how can all of this just be, be caused just by stress? Well, because you've learned how to do this over time and your body has done a shift and has become hypervigilant and now it's running its own course. Mm-hmm. It's like the anxiety takes on a life of its own and it's running your life instead of you running it. Right. So we've got to, to teach you how to be back in control through a series of cognitive behavioral things and through breathing and relaxation training. And there's a certain set of tools that you need that if you will practice those tools, you can walk your way out of this disorder. Right. It's very hard. It's hard for people to believe that, Dr. Barr, you're full of it because I've spent thousands of dollars on various therapies and tests and doctors. And what do you mean I can walk my way out of this? And, And yet that's the good news is I think that you really can. And I believe that. I watched myself do it. I've watched multiple other people do it. I watched you do it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thrill for me is to work with folks and watch them just work their way out of this and get back into life. Right. And I recall you uh, mentioning breathing exercises, which I had already been introduced to with my past uh, therapist. And the thing that really concerned me about those was that I seemed to feel better maybe in the moment or maybe for a little while after, but I didn't understand the conditioning that needed to happen, the practice that needed to happen. And we can get more into that later. But for those who might be sitting here saying, well, how do I do this? My question was always how many times a day what am I really supposed to be doing to get better? Like I said, I was very determined. And we can, that's something that we hope you guys will stay with us to hear more of because we're definitely going to direct you to the right place and hopefully be a source of friendship here for you guys and just a place where you can kind of get a lot of your questions answered. Because if there's anything I remember about being totally anxious, it was, having a million questions. Well, and I think that it's normal to have a million questions. And I think it's normal to be totally skeptical about this. Mm -hmm. So if our listeners are sitting there going, yeah, I've heard this kind of thing before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, Mm -hmm. but it's normal for you to feel skeptical. And I'm not put off by that. And that doesn't disturb me that you're skeptical. But if folks are willing to See, we think that this is a learned complex disorder, and it's been learned over years and years, not meaning to learn this. None of us meant to learn this, but we did. We managed to learn it. Yeah. And for some people, they have a specific time and date, and they can tell you, almost like my earthquake, Mm -hmm. they can tell you when their very first panic attack was. And that's common, right? Other people, yes, that's very common. Uh Uh-huh. And other people, they've kind of just always been anxious their whole life and didn't even have a word for it. They've just kind of always been anxious in their life. And all all of a sudden, something changed and it overwhelmed their system. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, well, you just heard Dr. Barr's story. Pretty interesting stuff. We are going to be back with you next week for something good. Don't worry, it's always something good here. Again, you can find uh, more information on the change program that helped Dr. Barr get better and me. That's changewith2as.com. And also feel free to shoot me an email. That's erica at lifefreeofanxiety.com. And I always do love to hear from you. Okay, I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope that something in today's conversation provided you with a feeling of hope, determination, or purpose. I know what you're going through. And that's why I want to give you some of the tools that helped me in my anxiety journey. To get a free copy of Free From Fears, head to freefromfearsbook.com. To find out more about the Change Anxiety Treatment Program, find us at changewith2as.com. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are not broken, you are not alone, and you are on your way to living a life free of anxiety. See you next week. Before you go, I wanted to give you one last reminder to discover your anxiety profile at lifefreeofanxiety.com profile. Going forward, we really think this should be the starting point for everyone's anxiety journey. Once you're done, once you're done, you'll probably wonder how we could learn so much from just a few questions. It really is amazing. What you don't see is behind the scenes, your responses are compared to what we've learned from helping over 200,000 people just like you reverse their anxiety over the past 40 years. It's a data-backed assessment with real insights. I promise it's worth 90 seconds of your time, and it's totally free. Just click the link in the show notes or head to lifefreeofanxiety.com profile, and I'll talk to you again soon.